Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, May 25th reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Colorado Man reels in suspected world record trout. But there's a catch. Written by Seth Boster. Cripple Creek Elks help fund student health needs. Written by Pat Hill. Cripple Creek Man gave suspect a ride before being stabbed near Bar Trail according to Affidavit, written by Anika Schmidt. New State Department tasked with fixing mental health care in Colorado, mired in turmoil, written by Christopher Osher, and following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first article is entitled, Colorado Man Reels in Suspected World Record Trout, But There's a Catch. Written by Seth Boster. The sun was still rising last Friday morning over western Colorado's Blue Mesa Reservoir when a frantic moment ensued on a small boat. I can't get him in the net, said Hunter Enlow, a lifelong angler and guide whose heart was pounding over a massive fish unlike anything he'd ever seen. His father, Scott Enlow, the one who reeled in the giant, came to the side of the boat to lend all of his might. Like I was deadlifting, he said. Like I was working out. Finally hauled on board, their eyes widen almost as large as the lake trout's, similar to the creature out of the water they breathed heavily. They scrambled for a scale and tape measure. The first scale would break. The next would lose a clip. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hunter kept saying, shaking. Dad, what did you just catch? The men would soon be laughing and hugging, celebrating what they believed to be a world record. The Gunnison locals say they weighed the lake trout at 73.29 pounds. That is about a pound more than the record lake trout listed by the International Game Fish Association, one caught in Canada in 1995. In the state, Scott Enloe's reported catch would shatter the lake trout record kept by Colorado Parks and Wildlife, a 50-pounder also drawn from Blue Mesa in 2007. Enloe's claim would by far be the biggest game fish of any kind CPW has logged since the 57-pound grass carp out of Jefferson County in 2013. The International Game Fish Association has maintained an all-time lake trout length of 43 inches, also pulled from Canada. Enloe measured his trout at 47 inches, as seen on video. That would make it the longest fish on CPW's record sheet, which is currently topped by a 40-inch tiger muskie. 
It is a big deal, Enloe said, a few days after the catch. And if it gets certified or not, I know what I caught, and I'm good with it. Early this week, the prospect of Enloe's name in state and world record books appeared to be a big if. Indeed, it all might end as one great fish tale. CPW spokesperson John Livingston, in an email called The Catch, a significant accomplishment on the trophy-rich Blue Mesa, adding, everybody probably thought another state record fish was in there, but not that big of a fish. We were all surprised by how big that fish was. While Livingston said photos could help verify a length record, a weight record mandating further inspection by long-held agency standards could not be certified. Because Enloe released the fish, no further steps can be taken on CPW's end, Livingston said. Immediately after the catch last Friday morning, Hunter Enloe could be heard over the fish struggling for oxygen. We gotta do things quick, Dad. Their quickness could be the reason for the record claim going unsustained. From catching and releasing, it was like a one-and-a-half-minute process, Enloe said. We didn't want to kill the fish. The International Game Fish Association record keeper, Zach Bellapigna, commended the quick release. We are a conservation-based organization, he said from the Florida Hub. We promote catch and release. But among a long list of firm, detailed rules to verify world records is one requiring the fish to be weighed on land, not in a boat. It's a point that often makes Bella Pigna a bearer of bad news, he said, a common point, he added, contributing to maybe 100 of any year's 700 or so record applications being rejected. Others might be related to certified scales and length measures. It's an unfortunate part of our rules, which are put in place for very good reasons, Bella Pigna said. In this case, because we wouldn't be able to verify the legitimacy of the weight on a moving surface. Yes, unfortunate is the word, Enloe said. He said the fish was too big to fit in his boat well, ensuring no safe transport to shore. If they don't want to certify it because I didn't kill it, then I'm okay with that, he said. Okay, he said, with the fish going down as an unofficial world record or a local legend. Later that night after the catch, Enlo walked into a local restaurant. A worker spotted him. Dude, I saw the big laker you caught. Word had spread all right from Enloe texting photos to a few friends, to trade magazines calling, to posts all over social media with millions of views. Some looked at the picture of the trout and figured it was fake. At 73 pounds, the thing might have weighed three times the weight of some of their dogs. 
Some sources suggest 73 pounds is heavier than the average human boy at 10 years old. Looking over, sorry, looking at his sonar on the boat that morning, Enloe thought the mass he saw was two large fish. He said he would have been thrilled about a pair of 30-pounders, but those show as yellow or orange on the sonar. This mass was appearing purple, teal, and black, colors Enloe had never seen before. I knew something was up, he said. He saw the line of his Akuma rod drop. It was game on. Game on for about 13 minutes, he said. 13 minutes of giving line more than pulling so as not to snap it. The patience and soft spot he's learned from a lifetime of fishing. He learned from his father before him and taught his son at an early age from their home in North Carolina. It's the unknown, Enloe said. It's the unknown that keeps us going. The Blue Mesa, Colorado's largest body of water, represented that great unknown, the vast possibilities. Since moving nearby in 2016, the family has imagined monsters lurking in the depths, aging and feeding and growing since the dam's construction in the 1960s. We always knew there was a world record fish in there, Enloe said. He had no thought of finding it that day. That's the thing about world records, Bella Pigna said. You can't blame someone out fishing on a normal day and not studying this stuff up to know all the rules and requirements. No matter, Enloe said. He watched that big fish swim away, and it was on to the next one. Our next article is entitled, Cripple Creek Elks Help Fund Health Needs, written by Pat Hill. A $6,000 grant from Cripple Creek Elks Lodge 316 to the Cripple Creek Victor School District targets the health care and nutritional needs of the students. In partnership with Gorman Medical School-Based Health Center, the Beacon and Spotlight grants provide health visits to include athletic physicals, some medications, dental, and x-rays, for instance. To encourage healthy eating, the district's culinary students researched various fruit and vegetables to host tastings for the students, the food funded by the Elks Grant. The event was a partnership among Lindsay Chapman, past exalted ruler, Donna Cyan, leading knight, Lauren Murray, school nurse, and Grace Hokama, mathematics and yoga mindfulness instructor. Our next article is entitled, Cripple Creek Man Gave Suspect a Ride Before Being Stabbed Near Bar Trail, According to Affidavit, Written by Anika Schmidt. A 24-year-old man is accused of stabbing a Cripple Creek man, possibly more than 20 times, in a truck at the Bar Trail parking lot Monday night after the victim offered his attacker a ride, according to an arrest affidavit obtained by the Gazette. 
million Zimmerman admitted to the stabbing, according to the affidavit, after he was arrested around 6.10 a.m. Tuesday, covered in blood and in possession of a Swiss Army knife near where he was allegedly last seen on surveillance footage leaving the scene of the crime. Zimmerman, who is described as a transient and has a Washington State driver's license, told investigators 60-year-old Eric Schnee gave him a ride Monday night, but the two had never met. Zimmerman said he stabbed Schnee because he felt creeped out by him, the affidavit said. Witnesses say they saw Snay's truck crash into a retaining wall in the Bar Trail parking lot shortly before 7.39 p.m. Monday. A passenger in the truck was allegedly making stabbing motions at the driver before the passenger, believed to be Zimmerman, exited the vehicle and walked toward Manitou Springs. Four witnesses called 911 and attempted to help the wounded driver who exited the truck bleeding. When law enforcement arrived on the scene, they found Snay lying on the ground with apparent stab wounds to the head, neck, shoulder, and chest, according to the affidavit. Blood was found inside the truck on both driver and passenger side on the ground and down the hill toward Manitou, where Zimmerman had allegedly walked. Manitou Springs Fire Department conducted life-saving measures on Snay at the scene before he was taken to a hospital. Snay underwent surgery and is expected to survive, according to the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. Law enforcement had the Bar Trail parking lot blocked off overnight, which is at the base of the popular hiking trail up Pikes Peak and around the corner from the base of the Manitou Incline and the Cog Railway Depot. A law enforcement wrapped up processing the scene around 6.10 a.m. the next morning. A Manitou Springs police officer witnessed Zimmerman exit the woods where he was allegedly last seen on surveillance camera footage provided by local business. The officer arrested Zimmerman and brought him in for questioning. Zimmerman told a detective that he knew what he did was wrong, so he turned himself into law enforcement to serve his time. The affidavit also said Zimmerman did not care to know what happened to Snay. At the time of stabbing, there was a warrant out for Zimmerman's arrest in Aurora, according to the affidavit. The warrant classified him as armed and dangerous. Court records show Zimmerman faces an attempted first-degree murder charge and is being held on a $1 million bond. He will make a first appearance in El Paso County Court on June 2. The next article is entitled, New State Department Tasked with Fixing Mental Health Care in Colorado, Mired in Turmoil. Sharp divisions, staff departures in the Behavioral Health Administration have hobbled its ability to fulfill its mandate. Written by Christopher Osher. Staff defections, personnel clashes, and delays in legislatively mandated reforms have troubled 
the new Behavioral Health Administration, a State Department launched just over a year ago to fix Colorado's tattered safety net for the mentally ill that one study ranked the worst in the nation. The new department was supposed to be the key to improving the abysmal rate of access to care in Colorado, which still fails to provide adequate services to the mentally ill, despite spending $1.5 billion annually on more than 120 mental health service programs spread across 13 state agencies and the judicial branch. Instead, sharp divisions in the Behavioral Health Administration hobbled its ability to fulfill its mandate, according to a review of staff emails, legislative testimony, and interviews. The top three officials at the department clashed so severely that the head of the new department complained in emails that the other two did not trust her, and they resigned. They returned to work after Governor Jared Polis replaced their boss late last month with an interim appointee. Those departures were part of an exodus of employees to hit the new State Department. Since July 2022, 27 people have resigned from the Behavioral Health Administration, roughly equivalent to a quarter of the 116 people working there. Several employees who have worked there or who still are employed there, employed there say the department is drastically understaffed. One current employee who did not want to be identified due to fears of retaliation said the department should nearly double its staffing. Given the long list of tasks and breadth of the overhaul it is supposed to achieve, we probably have 15%, maybe 20% of the people for the positions that have been created, the employee said. The fact that we even go to work is amazing, the employee said. People are tired. They work all the time. If you have certain things that need to get done and deadlines, you can't do them. The employee added that all the turmoil at the agency and fluctuating leadership hurts your soul. The department is the target of ongoing investigations by the Colorado Civil Rights Division and the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. State officials won't say what is being investigated, though two people familiar with the inner workings of the department said a personal assistant to the former head of the department submitted age and disability discrimination claims after she was pushed out after clashing with others there. A staff survey conducted by the Colorado Department of Human Services also documented deep dissatisfaction over the work environment at the BHA, with 55% of the respondents stating their job stress was unreasonable and nearly half of respondents stating they viewed senior leaders at the department as ineffective. Meanwhile, the state's mental health providers are disgruntled that officials at the Behavioral Health Administration did not promptly distribute all of the $190 million in the Federal American Rescue Plan Act 
money they received last year to improve access to mental health care. Officials at the BCH only recently awarded $150 million of that money in grants, nearly two months later than originally expected. The employee of one of the providers said that even though the money has been awarded, the contracting process is still has been a long, arduous Byzantine process. The delays will put providers in a rush because all the federal money must be spent by the end of December 2024, said one provider employee who asked not to be identified due to the sensitivity of the issue. In addition, the state still hasn't developed a plan to sustain programming once the one-time allotment of the federal aid is spent, according to that person. The Behavioral Health Administration also won't meet the original deadline state lawmakers set for rewriting, rewriting licensing standards for providers and for establishing a new oversight network that was supposed to coordinate and improve access to care. A redrafting of the regulations regarding involuntary commitment procedures for the mentally ill also has been pushed from a deadline of this July to a year later in July 2024. The part that concerns me is that the BHA is supposed to actually deliver care one way or the other to people who desperately need it, said State Representative Judy Amably, Democratic and Boulder. But it began to feel like they were mired in administrative mumbo-jumbo and having conflicts over what direction to go in rather than being a streamlined organization that knew where they were headed. During one legislative hearing last month, this a week after the head of the Behavioral Health Administration, Dr. Morgan Medlock, was replaced, State Senator Jim Smallwood, Republican from Parker, lamented that it appeared the fledgling department already was moving away from overseeing and running all mental health programs in the state. Department officials said during the hearing that they plan instead to coordinate services and improve communications among state agencies because they feared moving programming under one department would take as long as seven years to do and would not be effective. I'm disappointed that the vision that I was sold does not sound like it is becoming, sorry, I'm disappointed that the vision that I was sold does not sound like it is coming to fruition, Smallwood said. I really thought our state was ready to take a different step and was moving in a different direction and would have a lot more coordinated effort. Polis, late last month, announced he was replacing Medlock, the person he appointed just over a year ago to lead the BHA as the state's first behavioral health commissioner. Polis appointed as interim commissioner Michelle Barnes, the executive director of the Colorado Department of Human Services, to replace Medlock. The governor is searching for a full-time replacement. Medlock, who did not return telephone messages seeking 
Comment had previously been chief medical officer for the Department of Behavioral Health in Washington, D.C., before her appointment in Colorado. While Medlock's removal has been applauded by leaders at key advocacy groups for the mentally ill, legislatures, and county officials, it also has generated criticism from her allies. Supporters of Medlock say she, tr- she struggled for clout and was subjected as an African-American woman to racial insensitivities, even by other members of the governor's cabinet, despite Medlock often rising at 3 a.m. to begin her day. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, Please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.